0: Listener discretion is advised. Graphic language may or may not be used during the extent of this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, FF Dynasty 260 proudly brings to you the Fuck It We Did It Live podcast. I'm your host, Jared Forrest. You can find me on Twitter machine at that guy from Jerz. Jerz spelled with a Z because I'm a fucking idiot. I'm joined by my co-host, Mark Leopold. You can find him on Twitter at Leopold NFL. No Z in his name. Mark, what's going on, man? Good to finally get the show going.
1: Hey, man. Yeah, we've been looking forward to this for a while, so it's good to get this thing off the ground. Plenty to talk about this offseason. We've already got some injuries. We had the draft, a lot of bad landing spots, so plenty to cover and uh, not as much time as you might think until the season actually starts. Yeah,
0: no shit. Some awful, awful landing spots. I know that wasn't the show sheet, but that is definitely something that we need to get to eventually. Um, For those of you... Uh, That have decided to let us soothe your ear holes for the next 45 minutes. I suppose we should give you some Obligatory information on what to expect from mark and I for this weekly podcast. First of all, we both. Thank you uh, For tuning in to the fuck it. We did a live episode one podcast as you could tell this is unedited It is unfiltered. It's raw and uncut and while we won't be drowning out conversation with choice words. We will not limit ourselves in the use of the English language so if this offends you then I apologize Uh, that we could be losing a potential listener. If this is
1: something
0: something that you have been striving to hear from the seemingly never-ending list of Dynasty podcasts, then fucking A, welcome aboard. Uh, Second, as I mentioned, this is a Dynasty podcast. We won't be talking about Redraft or DFS. That's for other podcasts to do. Uh, I believe that uh, the website has some plans in mind for that. That should hopefully be airing soon. So we'll have the occasional bullshit debate about pop culture. But generally speaking, we're a Dynasty show. Uh, Mark, you got anything to add from that?
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, I want to say to anybody that's listening to this, please help us figure out what we, what you guys want us to talk about. There are a lot of Dynasty shows out there, and so we want to find ways to make sure this is useful in a different way than some of the other shows. So if there are things out there that you don't feel like they're covered on other shows or you just want us to talk about something you know, that might – be relevant to your team, we can try to break that down, look at the strategy behind it. Uh, but just hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what kind of stuff you guys want to hear. We want this to be helpful. This isn't for our benefit. It's for everyone else's benefit. So let's try to make it as useful as possible.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely agree. Uh, we come up with our show sheets. I mean, we, we were editing it a couple hours before the show even started. So we're, we're up to discuss anything. Um, like, like Mark said, this is a show for you guys. So if you're still listening to my voice, then I have hope, but I guess we should also tell you a little bit about ourselves because you're basically listening to two strangers on your radio right now, and uh, if you're going to allow us to take up 45 minutes to an hour uh, of your day each week, then I guess we should uh, get to know each other. So, Mark, you want to you want to tell the beautiful people about yourself?
1: Sure. Yeah, so I've been writing for FFD260 for uh, about a year now. I started writing last year for DFS, covering DraftKings and FanDuel weekly lineups, Um, what kind of stuff you want to do for cash games. So I'm planning to do that again this year as long as Aaron doesn't kick me out. But uh, other than that, I've been writing for a couple other sites. I've done a little bit of work for Gridiron Experts and uh, PlayerProfiler.com. And then my main squeeze for the offseason for Dynasty content has been Fantasy Football 24-7. You can find their site at 247FantasyFootball.com. And they're over on Twitter at FFB underscore 247. Uh, We put out a whole series of rookie profiles this offseason, so they've got 50-plus scouting reports on each rookie, what they do well, what they don't do well, where uh, they might have landed. This was all before the draft, and what some outcomes might be for them in the NFL, what we think of them. Uh, So we've also been doing a Dynasty podcast over there, Uh, so some different content that you can find from that one versus this one. Uh, So hopefully we'll be able to make sure both are useful in different ways and mesh some content together.
0: This fucking guy making me look bad with all of his different writing gigs. Uh, I, mean, for, I mean, I already told you guys, I'm Jared Forrest, uh, currently residence in New Jersey. I uh, grew up and remain a diehard Jets fan, as much as it pains me to admit on most occasions. Uh, I am a military veteran of the Air Force. Uh, I served six years, currently taking full advantage of the GI Bill. Uh, I'm pursuing my master's at Temple University for uh, actually sports business and analytics. So that goes on. Uh, to talk about my writing style, I'm going to use a lot of analytical-based uh, facts. Um, it will not be a lot of opinion. I, I like to have a lot of supporting materials um, for my arguments. So uh, I hope that that helps you guys decide on any questions that I can help you answer. Uh, and I stand firm when I say that Cam Newton is a Dynasty QB2, and I don't think Leonard Fournette will ever finish as a top seven running back. So if those are hot takes, then so be it. I, uh, I've been writing for FFD260 for a little over a year now. Uh, mostly, almost all Dynasty content. I think I dabbled in DFS for about a week until I just decided to stick to Dynasty. Uh, I actually got my start at Fake Pigskin. So shout out to Regan and the Fake Pigskin crew. And right now I'm doing some work for the uh, Temple University Analytics Research Department. And So hopefully that leads to a real job that I get paid with uh, one day. But until then, here I am on a podcast for a Dynasty Fantasy show. So there's Uh, that.
1: (laughs) And if you guys want to pay us out there, I'm sure Jared's willing to accept your money.
0: I will accept any and all monies. So don't be shy. Um, So today, I guess we could call this episode zero, episode one. Let's go with one. We'll go with one. All right. So this is the inaugural episode one. And we're just going to go into like a Dynasty 101, you know, typical obligatory shit that, Uh, Most podcasts usually start with, especially if you're going to be listening to us. You should probably know that our philosophy, when it comes to dynasty football, Uh, when we talk about it. However, some pointers, uh, some points here. We're going to be talking about PPR, Uh, and in our eyes, I mean in my eyes, IDP is the only real way to play. But uh, I I don't play in any standard leagues. Mark, do you play in any standard?
1: No, as far as I'm concerned, they shouldn't exist. Everything should be PPR.
0: So whenever we refer to our philosophy or or startup drafts or anything like that, just know for future reference that we are talking about PPR. In our eyes, that is the standard. Uh, So I guess we can get into it. With that being said, Mark, when it comes to startup drafts, first round picks, you like to stay where you are or you want to trade back?
1: It depends. I mean, if you're early in the first round, you can usually get a haul. So I'll try to trade back. But then again, if somebody's not going to overpay, there's definitely merit to having a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. or DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, those type of guys on your team. So it just depends what kind of offer you're going to get. I mean, the ones that I've done this year, it's something along the lines of if you're trading out of the 1.01, the offer was like a late first and an early second for the 101 and like a six-rounder. So if you're going to get that and you'd rather get – you know, two balanced players at the end of the first, or early second, then it kind of comes down to personal preference. I mean, for me, it just depends what your starting lineup's going to look like and what players you think you can get at each position. So if you're not going to get a really good offer for that pick, go ahead and take it. But there's always merit to trading back. And you see teams like the New England Patriots do that quite a bit where they just accumulate value. So I, I knew
0: you would bring up the Patriots. Yeah. I was waiting for
1: it. Well, I mean, you bring it up because it works. The draft yeah, itself yeah. is a crapshoot, less so in fantasy because we have a better idea of what these guys are at most of the points, and especially startup drafts. Um, but the more picks you can get in like the top 50, in my mind, the better. So if you can trade out of one pick and accumulate two or three more in that top 50 range, I'm all for that idea. Yeah, you, you brought up a few good
0: points, especially the top 50. Uh, one of the things I had written down was I love uh, trading back for multiple picks within the first five rounds. <laughs> So a little bit more than 50, but I I think those top five rounds, the talent is just so deep. Uh, One thing that I do disagree with, though, uh, especially over the last uh, year or two with the reemergence of just these elite running backs going so early in startups, uh, the Todd Gurley's, the Zeke's, the Le'Veon Bell's, you know, sometimes David Johnson. uh, I think if if those are one of your guys, you got to stay where you are, unless you're willing to take one of those deals where you grab a late first and early second and you could... You know, double up with like a Kamara and a uh, and a Hunt with with those picks, but I, I think the top tier running backs is just it, it is so strong that for me, uh, if I'm if I have a chance to grab one of those, it's it's recently become uh, very difficult to to pull the trigger and trade back and to give up one of them.
1: Yeah, and I'm with you on the running backs because the drop off is just so steep, especially after you get past like round three or four. The workhorse running back is so rare and there are wide receivers so deep that I'm generally inclined to try to get a workhorse running back in the first round, and I've built teams both ways. I've started with wide receivers early and often, and I've started with those workhorse running backs, and I always like the team construction better when I start running back. So yeah, I'm not I, saying reach, but if there's a running back available at a good spot, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, definitely pull the trigger. There's certainly merit to that unless you're going to get way of it, way overpaid for it.
0: No, yeah, I agree. I mean, spoiler we'll talk about our Superflex draft here in a little bit. I was at the 106, and David Johnson was there. He was the last elite running back. And, you know, until that point, I was debating about trading back, but uh, I-, I couldn't with him, him still on the board, possibly passing him up. Uh, so with that being said, not necessarily those early-round selections, but do you find yourself, I guess, targeting any specific positions earlier than – Uh, what seems to be the consensus or the rest of your league.
1: Yeah. I mean, we talked about running back, but for me, I always want to try to grab a tight end early and I usually want to go for a younger tight end. So really in my mind, until this injury that we all know has happened at this point, there was one guy that perfectly fit the bill. And I was targeting Hunter Henry in every dynasty startup draft because he has a clear role. He has a passing game that utilizes the tight end position. He doesn't have another tight end of consequence on the roster. And the wide receiver depth chart is not loaded. So when you look at a guy like OJ Howard, you have Cameron Bright there and you have a loaded wide receiver group. David and Choku, you have Seth DeValve, but more so you have a loaded wide receiver group. So some of the other young tight ends, even Evan Ingram who broke out last year already, Odell Beckham's coming back. He still got Sterling Shepard and now they have Saquon Barkley. So Hunter Henry was the guy that had a really defined role. He was young. And he was in an offense that was going to be friendly to it. So I was targeting him everywhere. And I was willing to reach. But at this point, now he's out for the year. So that puts a damper sure. on that. Uh, but that tight end position, there's such a drop-off and it just becomes such a shit show after the first five or six guys any given year that you want to try to lock up that tight end that you know will produce. No, I I agree that you want to grab
0: that top tier tight end, but I we gotta go back to the wide receiver argument. I mean, you don't Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, Tyrell Williams, you don't think that it's a little crowded.
1: No, I mean, Mike Williams hasn't even shown us that he can get on the no, field I mean, yet.
0: I, I am uh, super low. I might be lowest on the side on Mike Williams. I was just throwing it out there. I mean, they spent the draft capital on him, so you know they're going to give him a shot.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he'll get on the field this year. But then again, you lost Antonio Gates. So sure. I, Mike Williams is not a guy who can separate in the NFL, and we're having a different discussion at this point. But at yeah. the same time, I see him more as a red zone weapon. So I think he's okay. going to be kind of a replacement for Antonio Gates in that sense. But Tyrell Williams, I don't see as much more than a deep threat. Oh, he's a pretty good one though. I'll give him that and the oh, yeah, sure. target hog. So Hunter Henry, I think he still has a pretty clear role in that passing game.
0: That's fair. Um, as far as positions or specific players that I target earlier than most, I got to go back to the running backs, but a different style. I, since those, we talked about those workhorse running backs are so hard to find. I am constantly, I wouldn't call it reaching, but uh, I'm taking those pass catching third down running backs uh, much earlier than, than the rest of the draft. I'm reaching for the Chris Thompsons, the Duke Johnsons. Uh, you know, Duke Johnson scares me now uh, because I'm a believer in Nick Chubb, but for this year, I think Duke will still get his load. I think Chris Thompson coming back from that injury will be fine. But uh, I think those, especially in a PPR league, they provide such a safe floor, especially on those shit teams. I mean, you look at, the Browns before this year, I think the Browns have a legit shot to go nine and seven. But you know, the last two years, Duke Johnson's been on the field more than Crowell. Uh, same thing with Chris Thompson; he was on the field more than you know Fat Rob or or Pirine. So you got to find those shit teams with those third down pass catching backs, and uh, I think that's that's a huge huge upgrade there. But one that I was looking at before the draft was uh, the situation in Seattle because I thought that. It was going to be a completely split backfield, unfortunately, with the addition of Penny. I mean, that could be uh, a sneaky workhorse pick right there. Um. So going on into the draft, I know we both have a similar philosophy as far as late-round quarterbacks go. How late do you wait until you take one?
1: Yeah, I, as with anything, it depends who's on the board. I'm definitely willing to go quarterback in the middle rounds if you can get one of those younger quarterbacks that you know will be around for a while that has value. And then you can just start churning running backs and receivers and trying to fill those spots. If you have a guy like Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota, even Dak Prescott, who people are down on, but all he does is finishes the back end QB one, even with nothing around him. So if I can grab one of those guys in the middle rounds, I'm more than happy to do that. Lock up the position for the next, let's just say eight years. I'm sure all those guys will be playing uh, until their early thirties unless they get hurt. Uh, I'm definitely willing to get those guys lock up the position and not have to worry about it for several years. And then you just, you cycle in the QB twos to fill in bye weeks, but you're pretty much set. And even if a guy like Tom Brady or Drew Brees falls to that spot, I'm willing to do that to take the upside play for the next few years, try to win myself a championship. Uh, but if I pick one of those guys, I'm not going to try to get a Mariota as well, especially in a one QB league. I know we'll talk about super flex in a bit, but you just want to have, in my mind, one quarterback that's safe and then one with upside. So you want to have a nice balance. You know, Drew Brees, he's both. So then you can kind of pair him with anybody. But, you know, Marcus Mariota, he's safe. And then Patrick Mahomes, upside. Philip Rivers, safe. Uh, and then Jimmy Garoppolo at this point, upside. So just kind of pair a guy that you know you can count on if your upside guy doesn't pan out. And, uh, you know, take a shot on another guy because quarterback in a one quarterback format doesn't have that much value unless you're getting one of those top tier guys.
0: No, yeah, I agree. The, uh, the one quarterback uh, league is, is, I think it should, you know, slowly drift away. I think 2QB or Superflex is the way to go. But since we're talking about it, I, I agree uh, 100%, which is rare because we don't agree on much. But uh, <laughs> I like the uh, combining of the high ceiling and the, and the safe guys. I also like combining a vet and a rookie and I'm and I'm not just saying a vet as in the Brady or the breeze, which is, you know, obviously solid, but you're picking them much earlier than someone like an Eli. So uh, I like to wait even later. And if I could go back to back rounds super late and grab something like an Eli and a Trubisky, um, something like that, then I- I'm all over that. I, I love the upside that uh, Trubisky has, especially with the offense is being built around him now. It's incredible. And then the weapons that Eli has, I know everybody will shit on him, but, you know, he's, he's going to throw the ball at somebody. And uh, the, 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 the weapons with Barkley and Beckham and Shep and Ingram, it, it's, it's crazy. He's going to put up close to 4,000 yards. He's going to have a lot of interceptions, but you're not asking for a lot when you draft a quarterback that late.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're expecting Odell Beckham to be high-end wide receiver one. Shepard to be maybe like a back-end receiver two, high-end receiver three. Evan Ingram to be middle of the pack tight end one. And then Barkley to be a high-end running back one. You can't possibly like all those guys in fantasy football and not like Eli Manning. Exactly. So and the that he seems, he's getting is unreal.
0: That, that, exactly. That seems to be the argument on Twitter is, you know, no one has anything bad, about, bad to say about any of his weapons. But they'll shit on Eli, you know, this, the, the moment that they can. And, and it's ridiculous. And I think in- Ingram's floor is is a you know a low end tight end tight end ten maybe maybe is his floor, uh, I think he could be, you know tight end, especially with Hunter Henry out, I think he could be tight end four right behind that top tier, uh, and I think you know he might be on a tier of his own after them, uh, and then Beckham could be wide receiver one like you said Shep, low end wide receiver two high end wide receiver three perhaps, but uh, as the draft goes on. Uh, how do you how do you fill out your team? What kind of players do you find yourself targeting?
1: I'm always trying to grab some of the unsexy veteran players that get overlooked. So guys, I'm thinking of are like Rashard Matthews. Mm. All he does is fill the role of Tennessee's wide receiver one and put up points, and still nobody gives a shit about him. Or Marquise Lee, or at this point Jordy Nelson, Deshaun Jackson. Like these guys are going very very late in dynasty drafts startup drafts relative to what they're going to produce the next year or two and in i don't know the 12th round or 15th round or wherever jordy nelson's going i'll take even one year of wide receiver two production out of him and behind amari cooper he's pretty much the only other option there in oakland i know they got martavis bryant who's probably going to be on the field in three wide but he's a deep threat so most of the targets you got to figure going to cooper and jordy nelson so just look for those guys that don't necessarily have the name brand. Uh, I know Nelson does, but not in Oakland. And follow the targets. Rashard Matthews, Marquise Lee, these guys are all going to get more targets than their draft capital in startup drafts suggests. And Marquise Lee and Rashard Matthews especially aren't that old. They still got several years left in them, I think. So those are guys that you can definitely have outproduce their draft slot. No,
0: Marquise Lee is super young. He was drafted in the same uh, class as Alan Robinson. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, kind of going along with that, still sort of agree. Uh, I know you said the veterans, but you stuck to one position, and that's what I like. I love the slot receivers because um, they don't have the name value as the top-end guys, you know, your Xs that you know, are, are a lot of them are touchdown-dependent, especially in PPR leagues. Give me the, the – I know Jarvis Landry is an early-round guy, but someone like a Jameson Crowder. Or the situation in Oakland, I'm extremely interested to see what they do there. If they put – you know Martavis in the slot. Oh my God, give me all of that. And I, I definitely want to see what's going on in Atlanta. Uh, and as a football fan, I think Julio and Ridley on the outside with Sanu in the slot is scary. But as a fantasy fan, uh, if if I see reports of Ridley being lined up in the slot and, and he's running those crisp routes against you know, subpar nickelbacks or or drop down safeties or weak side linebackers, I'm all about. Calvin Ridley life. So I, I love grabbing uh, uh, slot receivers, filling out the depth on my teams and, and just watching the the PPR points pile up.
1: Yeah. I love the slot receivers too. And uh, the unsexy vets definitely applies outside the wide receiver position. I will say it's hard to do it running back, but you can get guys like Delaney Walker and Greg Olson as back-end tight end ones in fantasy startup drafts. And they're probably going to produce as high-end tight end ones, you know, top six or so this season, unless they get hurt. And they're just guys that produce every year. So, like I said, you can take one of those guys, shoot for a championship this year, and then try to replace them either in a rookie draft or draft another young guy later on in your draft, or even start with a young guy and then take Delaney Walker or Greg Olson to bridge the gap. Like you pair Greg Olson and George Kittle or Greg Olson, David Njoku or something like that. I mean, you're set.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, I I agree. I I love getting the vet tight end. Um, and we'll talk about that in the Superflex. And there was a reason why I went specifically after Olsen. Uh, but as far as philosophy goes, I, I think we could just about wrap it up. Because let's be honest, no one's going to have the same philosophy for every team, for every draft, for every league that you're in. Uh, situation's going to dictate many of the moves you make. And, and you know, as fantasy owners, especially in startup drafts, you have to be willing to adapt to what your other owners are doing and, and how the draft is falling into play. So, but that overall, uh, I think we did a good job of just briefly going over what we're looking for a, as far as startup drafts go, and uh, we've teased it a little bit. But one of the styles that seem to be growing in popularity, but not necessarily in coverage, uh, especially in Twitter and and other podcasts, is the idea of a super flex league or a two QB league or something that kind of evens out the value of a quarterback. Uh, Mark and I, we were lucky; twelve of us over at FFD two six zero recently completed a Superflex startup. And I know I'm extremely happy with the results. Again, I, I've teased a couple of my picks already, but uh, going into a 12-team Superflex, what was what was your strategy? What were you wanting to do?
1: Uh, my strategy was wait and see how the board shakes out because I was picking from the A slot, so I'd have a little bit of chance to see what people in front of me were doing, uh, and it was pretty chalk. but at the same time, I was able to see what they were doing, and then my strategy at the beginning was just see who falls to me, but the one thing I know I wanted to do in Superflex was get a young stud quarterback. So I talked about the value of having one of those guys, you know, Marcus Mariota, James Winston type, that will anchor the position in a one-quarterback format. They're even amplified in Superflex. Obviously, all quarterbacks are, but having one of those two potential quarterback slots locked up for several years to come has a lot of value to it. So I was going to try to get one of those guys. I was able to do it. I got Carson Wentz in the middle of the second round, which I was happy with. He went after... Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, I believe. Yeah, A. Rod went
0: went one pick before you.
1: Yeah, I I couldn't find Wilson. Yeah, Wilson went late first. Aaron Rodgers early second round. Yeah, I picked Carson Wentz right after Aaron Rodgers, and I would have been happy with Rodgers, obviously. But there's definitely going to be a lot of value to having Wentz around for, even if he's you know six years, which maybe on the short side, I'd be thrilled with that to get six years of production out of him, and then just cycle through that QB two slot. Are those your top three quarterbacks, A-Rod, Russell, and Wentz? Yeah, I think it's hard not to have them in the the top three slots. For me, they're in a different order, but uh, those three guys, any of them I'd be thrilled with.
0: Yeah, see, I mean, they're in my top five. I have Cam up there. I've always loved Cam. Uh, He's my dynasty QB, too. But uh, I was two spots ahead of you. I was in the sixth, as I mentioned, and I wanted one of those workhorse running backs, and I I was pretty sure I was going to get one. Especially in a superflex, I really was not expecting uh, quarterbacks to fall past me. I thought someone would have taken a Rod or Russell Wilson, uh, reached for them early in the first. He didn't, but OBJ went uh, first. Hopkins went, I believe, fourth overall. Yep. So uh, David Johnson fell to me. I was entertaining trade offers, but like I said earlier, I mean, I just I couldn't pass him up. He's definitely out of the elite workhorse guys. He's the last one on my list, but he's still in that top tier. Um, so after, after him, I kind of wanted to see how it fell. And then it was the same thing with, with you. I wanted to make sure that I got deep at quarterback quick. So I, I was lucky. I got my boy Cam in the third. And then Stafford was waiting for me in the fifth. So I think in a super flex league to have Cam and Stafford, uh, I think I'm, I'm doing pretty well there. But um, after the first round, I had two goals in mind. One was to grab. I wanted the 102. That was the only draft pick that I wanted. And I wanted to stack QBs and wide receivers. Uh, So I actually made a trade. I don't know exactly what the trade was, but I gave up a decent amount to move up into the third round to grab the 102, which I eventually took Darius Geis. And I fucking regret it now because his landing spot is shit. But uh, I did what I did. And then I was able to stack the aforementioned Greg... Olsen with Cam Newton, as well as eventually stacking Marvin Jones with Matt Stafford. So I love double dipping with points there. Um, So as the draft went on, if you had to choose, would you say that you targeted players or positions more?
1: Oh, definitely players for me. Um, If you look at my draft, I pretty much turned into a zero RB uh, in the first round. I was amazed. I got Antonio Brown at the eight slot. And then, like I said, took Carson Wentz in the second round. And wide receiver just kept falling to me every round. So, I mean, I was targeting specific players. You know, if I could get Christian McCaffrey in the third or Melvin Gordon or Devontae Freeman, if they fall, they were some of the ones that went before uh, my pick in the third round. I would have been happy to take those. But uh, they all went and running back was getting thin and Amari Cooper was still on the board. And the young, prolific wide receiver, I had to take him there. And so coming back, you know, Joe Mixon, Derek Henry went right before my pick. Would have been happy to take Mixon, not so much Henry. Uh, but then Brandon Cooks was there, and this was before the Rams trade. So I was thinking Tom Brady's number one receiver, young, productive every season. Love him in the fourth round. So I ended up starting out with quarterbacks and receivers. I took my first running back in the 10th round. And that was Samaj Piran before the draft, of course. So <laughs> looked like he might be a starter pair hit with Aaron Jones in the 11th, who were my t- first two running backs. Uh, so my strategy was just get players. I like, I ended up with the guys I mentioned, Evan Ingram, Devin Funches, uh, a couple of rookie picks before I ended up starting going to running backs, but the running backs that I wanted, at that specific range, just never fell to me at the picks that I had, so I just kept taking wide receivers. Uh, took a couple of rookie picks and figured I'd hammer running back in the rookie draft, and I think it worked out pretty well for me. I ended up getting Rashad Penny at the one ten, which is absolutely incredible to me.
0: Yeah, getting Penny there is uh is huge considering that you went more or less zero RB. So that that was, I mean, that's that could possibly be your RB one on your team. Uh, with the Brandon Cooks trade. Were you a fan? Were you not a fan? What do, you, what do you
1: think about that? No, no, definitely a downgrade. I mean, you, you're going from Tom Brady in a somewhat clear wide receiver one role. I know Edelman's coming back, but still much prefer him in the Tom Brady offense as more or less the wide receiver one, uh, especially with the deep threat option from Brady. And now he goes to Jared Goff, who's really not a gunslinger and a crowded offense with Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. Uh, They have a couple tight ends that interest me, but you know, nobody like Gronk.
0: No, yeah. Uh, Gerald Everett and Tyler Higbee are nice, but like you said, they're certainly not Gronk.
1: Yeah. Less to compete with, but you also have Todd Gurley. He's going to catch some passes and just less to go around overall because it's Jared Goff and not Tom Brady. So I I see it as a downgrade. I'm hoping he plays out the one year and then moves on, but we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, if we were talking rookie drafts, I would, I think I would agree with you uh, and say draft the best overall player. That's basically what my philosophy is for any rookie draft. Uh, But for startup drafts, I think you can make exceptions. and I think that's more or less what I did throughout this this draft. I didn't think I was going to go two QBs as early as I did, but with Stafford falling there and then, like I said, those stacks that just kind of fell into my lap, uh, I don't know if I reached for them, but um, I I was happy that they did. And then... Like I said, those slot receivers, I think these guys that I mentioned about off the bat, Jameson Crowder, I grabbed in the 8th round. Chris Thompson, I grabbed in the 11th. So you look at the people around there, I think Jamison Crowder was you know, a bargain. Will Fuller, Corey Coleman, Marlon Mack, and Lamar Miller went around him. So not a lot of competition there. And then with Chris Thompson, it was uh, Aaron Jones. So you, you took Aaron Jones uh, two picks after Chris Thompson. So yeah, I'm curious, I'm curious there, would you have taken Chris Thompson over Aaron Jones?
1: Yeah, most likely. He has a very defined role, catches a lot of passes, especially PPR. That helps out. Aaron Jones has much more upside than Chris Thomas, no doubt about that, if he could be the starter for the Packers, which Absolutely. I like his chances, but we'll see. Coaches don't always act optimally, especially Mike McCarthy, so we'll see what happens. But, yeah, Thompson over Jones for me. Yeah, and then I guess
0: kind of like, I don't know, filled in. I didn't make a lot of trades in the back end of the draft. Looks like you didn't either. And uh, just kind of took what fell to us. So, as uh, we got into the middle and later rounds, how did your kind of your draft plan or your philosophy change?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, when you start out no running backs in the first <laughs> almost ten rounds, you got to adjust a little bit. And you know, I don't think I overcorrected, and maybe I undercorrected because I ended up with P. Ryan, Aaron Jones, that we talked about, and then the next couple of rounds, I did grab another quarterback. I uh, took a rookie pick. And then I started to fill in some slots. So after taking uh, my second tight end, I took Amir Abdullah, Giovanni Bernard, and I'm hoping Amir Abdullah will get uh, on a new team, but we'll see what happens. I still believe in his talent. Uh, Giovanni Bernard, DeAndre Washington, who at the time I thought had a chance to become the starting running back for the Raiders. Obviously Lynch is still there, so that's probably not going to happen. A couple of unsexy veteran wide receivers, Jordan Matthews, Rashard Matthews, and then – Took Elijah Hood at the end of the draft, figuring we'll see where he is he is next year because who knows. And, hey, don't uh, don't forget Doug, don't forget about Doug Martin in Oakland. Yeah, I know, but Lynch is definitely better than Martin at this point, so I'm not even worried about Martin.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. I'm a I'm a big Jalen Richard guy, um, so I'm a fan of the other one. But it's I mean both both of their values just being buried on that depth chart by now.
1: Yeah, the guy I wanted was Kenneth Dixon, who went one pick before DeAndre Washington. Uh, but I'm still okay with Washington. I thought it was a good choice at the time. And with my rookie picks, I figured I'd hammer running back, which I did. So no regrets. We'll see how the running backs shape out this year. That'll make or break my team for sure.
0: Yeah, no, there was a lot of uh, picks, and I, I see where me and you have similar um, outcomes, where we took running backs who we thought would have a chance that got buried on – Yeah. Uh, from the draft I took Peyton Barber thinking that the Bucks were going to give him a chance obviously with the Rojo draft I still have hope uh, Peyton Barber had some flashes last year but then the the pick right before that really hurt me I was I'm all about CJ Procise and he's I, I'm hoping that they use him as the third down back but with what they're saying out of Seattle it, it doesn't look like it. it looks like Penny's gonna be the guy um, so, I mean, you have Penny. So, if you're interested in ProSize as a you know a spellback, maybe we could talk trade after this. Uh, but I love it. Okay, I love uh, I love TJ Yeldon in the 19th round because I'm so low on Leonard Fournette. I don't think Leonard Fournette will ever play a full 16 game season. Um, so, I love Yeldon there, especially with the departure of Ivory. And then we mentioned Tyler Higby. I think he still has a chance. Wasted pick. You know, the last three rounds were just complete fucking garbage for me with Brashad Perryman, Josh McCown and Shane Green. So that was a waste. But looking at my team as a whole, I think I have a decent starting lineup and I definitely think I'm lacking with depth. Uh, So as I look at this now, it's definitely some changes I got to make, some trades I got to throw out to to the boys. So
1: go through your starting lineup real quick. Who do you
0: have? Let's see. Well, what it's a, do we have, Two wide receivers, two running backs, and a flex. Uh let's
1: see. Three receivers.
0: Three receivers. So two I got backs,
1: three receivers and flex.
0: I got Cam and Stafford, obviously. Oh, let me scroll up here. Cam and Stafford, Julio, and David Johnson. So the first four, obviously, obviously going. And then I mean, it's literally my first few picks. Oh, I got, I forgot I made that trade. And I got uh Mark Ingram, who's <laughs> suspended. Um so my running backs would probably be to start the season. David Johnson, Chris Thompson, and Darius Geis would be third. It's uh, pretty are, good. My, no, it's not bad. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, good. I don't know. I don't like having Chris Thompson and Darius Geis, you know, on the same team, both starting. Yeah. I feel like you, you have to choose one or the other. Uh, so I'm going to be waiting for Ingram to come back. That'll, that'll be huge for me. Come week five when he gets off of the suspension. Um definitely starting Stafford in my flex with Cam as my starter.
1: Yeah, no. Doubt. And, then,
0: and then with both of them, I want to start Greg Olson over Kittle, just so I have the stack. Oh yeah, start, easily. Yeah, start Marvin Jones with uh Julio. And then and then I'm looking at matchups between Sammy and Crowder. I still I love Sammy. I I'm really, really high in Sammy. Same, but, but I I need I am I like Mahomes. I got to see him in game play, though, especially with, you know, this is Watkins' first year in that offense. Uh, come week one, I'll probably start Crowder, which scares me because I'll have way too many Redskins in my starting lineup. But uh, I could definitely see Watkins taking over for Crowder in my starting lineup, you know, by week three, week four, especially if Mahomes is slinging it.
1: Yeah, that's a good set there. Solid lineup. What about you? So I'm going to be most likely starting Brady and Wentz. I do have Mariota on my team as well via trade, uh, but probably starting Brady and Wentz most weeks. For running backs, it's Rashad Penny, and then it's whoever looks like they're going to get the most touches (laughs) between Gio Bernard, Amir Abdullah, P. Ryan if he's even on the field, Aaron Jones, I have the most hope for him, I think. Uh, Then I also grabbed Jordan Wilkins and Justin Jackson in our rookie draft, so I think Jackson will have a role. Uh, we'll see how big it is, but I think he'll catch some passes. So he might be able to slide into that starting lineup too. And uh, Jordan Wilkins, we'll see. Uh, I actually like Marlon Mack better, but uh, he's very elusive in college. So I think there's a chance he could get some work as well. And if he's a goal back, that should have some value, especially if Andrew Lux under center.
0: Sure, hopefully. So we'll
1: see. Yeah, so I'm going to be starting receiver in my flex almost certainly. Okay. And starters will probably be Antonio Brown. Uh, Amari Cooper and Devin Funches, it looks like. Brandon Cooks maybe in the flex. And depending how that shakes out, I have Rashard Matthews, Deshaun Jackson that I can also sub in uh, based on matchups by weeks or if one of these guys looks like they're falling out of favor. And tight end, I'll be starting Evan Ingram most weeks. I have Austin Perry and Jenkins as well. Uh, he's going to get targets there, even if they're shitty targets. So <laughs> tight ends should be okay. So we'll see. I think it's a team that com- can compete, but we'll see how many targets some of the receivers get. A lot of them are in worse situations now than they were when I drafted them. So you- now it's TJ Moore, Amari Cooper, now it's Jordy Nelson. So you know, we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. You would start Funchess over Cooks?
1: Well, I'm probably going to have to start them both. But yeah, oh, I would at least to start the season because I just don't know how the target distribution is going to look in L.A., and I feel more confident in Carolina that Devin Funches will, if nothing else, be one of the primary red zone options with Greg Olson.
0: No, I definitely think it's a ceiling versus floor argument there with Cooks having a, you know, he's always had a sky-high ceiling.
1: Yep. Um, All takes we, is one play.
0: Yeah, and that's generally what his career has been. I mean, he's had those games where he's busted out for 180, 200 yards, but uh, generally that's not the case, and you know, Funchess really came into his own last year, and I think the rapport that him and cam are building is, is, uh, is really special. And DJ Moore was my personal wide receiver one uh, in this draft. So I, I think cams value. I think there were a lot of winners. Maybe, maybe this will be next week's episode. I think there were a lot of winners as far as veterans go in this draft. I think there were more veteran winners than there were rookie winners when it comes to landing spots.
1: Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. Cam was one of them. Yeah.
0: Um, so I, I think that about wraps it up, Mark. That was, uh, that was fun. What do you, uh, What do you want to talk about next week?
1: Well, I think we might have just stumbled into next week's show. We can talk about winners and losers of the draft, both veterans and rookies. Uh, More winners on the vet side, losers on the rookie side, obviously. But uh, definitely still some good landing spots uh, for the rookies. Royce Freeman, one that comes to mind. Really like where he went. Love Um, his landing spot. Yeah, I mean, there are a few. Mike Kosicki, he's going to walk into a bunch of targets. Love his
0: landing spot. Definitely tight end one coming into this draft. Especially Dallas Goddard's behind Erks for – you know, the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah. Pretty much cleared it right up. It was close for me before then, but uh, it's a lot easier after that. So yeah, sounds like we can talk about that next week. All right. Well, until next week,
0: uh, thank you all for joining us. You can check me out on Twitter again at that guy from jurors, jurors with a Z. You can find Mark at Leopold NFL. Uh, and you can also find some of our writing over at FF dynasty, Episode one is in the books and we'll see you next week.